Turn with me in your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, and verses 14 through 15 is the focal passage for our text. Luke chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. Father, bless the reading of your word this morning. And Lord, empower this place even more now through your Holy Spirit, that the preacher might preach what thus saith the Lord. And all those who hear in this building and through the internet, Facebook, whatever, through whatever means, radio as well, will also hear a word from the Lord. We pray this in the power of Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit, God with us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's read it together. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through all the surrounding district. And he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Thank you. Please be seated. We're preaching through the Gospel of Luke uh, as the Lord leads. I highlight several passages here. And the theme that I'm hearing from the Gospel of Luke as I preach it again, by the way, I'm not preaching old sermons. Uh, I look at some of my old outlines and I think, what, what was that about? But um, today we are following that theme in the Gospel of Luke. Luke has a major theme, the compassion of Christ, and that's through the ministry of Jesus, through the teachings of Jesus. You see the compassion of God. The Bible says God is a compassionate and merciful God. And then as you get close to the uh, passion narrative, it's called. This is the crucifixion and uh, Jesus' agony on the cross. Uh, Dr. Luke, the author of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts, captures that passion of Christ. His hurt, his anguish, his pain. And then the resurrection of Christ as well. So the compassion and the passion of Christ may be two uh, words that help guide our thinking and our, our thoughts as we dive into and dig deeper into this beautiful gospel written by Dr. Luke. Now in chapter 4, uh, you'll find that Jesus is going to be baptized by John the Baptist. And this is uh, around the Jordan River. And the Bible says uh, that he was filled with the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit anointed him. The voice spoke out of heaven and said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then when you get to chapter 4, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days while being tempted by the devil. So today I want us to focus on that experience that Jesus had in being tempted by Satan. And then I want to relate that to your life and mine, remembering that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. You and I also experience Jesus through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit living in us 
when we trust Christ as our personal Savior and Lord and invite Him to invade, invite Him to invade our life and take control of our life. So, so to say that the Holy Spirit is leading us is also to say that Jesus is leading us and we are following Him. Now remember, the definition of a disciple, that's who we are, disciples of Jesus, is someone who follows Jesus faithfully. Okay? All right, so today Jesus is being led by the Holy Spirit. He's being tempted by Satan, and there are three temptations of Christ. You'll find these in the three Gospels, the Synoptic Gospels. And uh, the three temptations of Jesus, uh, as one author, Dr. Oates, says, is the temptation, first of all, to play God, and the second one is the temptation to replace God, and the third temptation is to try to be God. Um, Satan tempts Jesus uh, with the stones because he's hungry. You know, he's uh, fasted and prayed out in the wilderness for 40 days. Now, I've never tried that. I can barely get through six or eight hours. But Jesus, for 40 days, the Bible says he was hungry. And out of his hunger, Satan tried to tempt him and said, turn these stones into bread. That was an opportunity for him to play God. And we do that a lot in our life, too. A lot of decisions we make, we try to play God. And, and then he said, uh, worship me on this porch of this temple. If you just worship me. In other words, replace God in your life. And we're tempted with the same thing. We're, we're tempted to replace God with things. We're tempted to replace God with uh, relationships. There's a lot of other things that are little g-gods in our life. And then the third temptation was uh, when he asked the Lord Jesus to show off and uh, jump down. And he misquoted scriptures every time and said, the angels will catch you. And so... That's when we try to be God, and we try to run the world. Our anxiety is up the roof, and uh, we're very anxious when we try to be God in the world and in our life and other people's lives. So the three take-home lessons I want us to um, learn from this temptation of Jesus and what followed, because when Jesus came back to his hometown of Nazareth, uh, as he was getting there, Everybody was amazed at how he was filled with the Spirit. There was a presence of God in his life. And everybody was going, yes, this is wonderful. Amen, hallelujah. And then he gets to his hometown. And these are the people that knew him ever since he was a little boy. You ever go back to your hometown and hear those stories they tell about you and you just get embarrassed and wish they wouldn't tell that again? I had one about riding a bicycle and got the worst whipping in my life because I was wandering up and down the roads uh, and my daddy had to correct me with uh, the Board of Education. And my they even sent the state police out to look for me. You know, I was leaving home when I was 12 years old. I mean, I was going places, at least as far as my bicycle would take me, and had the state police <laughs> looking for me and uh, got the worst whipping I've ever had in my life. And every time I go back home, they say, you still riding that bicycle? You still riding that bicycle? Well, they knew Jesus back then. And then Jesus uh, read from the book of Isaiah in the synagogue. He was invited to read scripture. And the scripture that Jesus read was Isaiah 61. Now, Isaiah 61 talks about the coming Messiah, the anointed one. Now, remember, Jesus was anointed by the Holy Spirit when he was baptized by John the Baptist. 
And he stood in front of that synagogue and said, all this prophecy I'm reading here in Isaiah 61 is fulfilled in your presence. In other words, I am the Messiah. And all of a sudden, it, the, the crowd went from applause to just the opposite. Run him out of town. Run him out of town. And they tried. And, and, and they, they tried to grab a hold of Jesus. And they tried to run him out on the edge of a hill. And they tried to push him off a cliff to try to, do, to, try to kill him. And Jesus, just in a calm way, turned around, walked back through that crowd, and went on his way because it was not his time. It was not his time to die for our sins. So what are we learning today? Number one, we have courage when facing the temptation in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we have courage, like Jesus, when we are facing temptation. Now, when you face temptation, you are dealing with the great deceiver. His name is Satan in the Bible. He's called the father of lies. He's called the prince of darkness. He's called our adversary. And Satan's lure, that's the word in the book of James for temptation, is like a fishing lure, okay? And uh, so Satan's lure is his lie. Satan's lure is his lie. He is the father of lies. He is the captain of deception. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the what? Truth and the life. And so Jesus could see through the lies of Satan. Satan whispers to us today. And he says a lot of things that some of you may recognize. He whispers in your ear. Try it just once. Try it just once. Uh, this won't hurt anybody. Uh, go ahead. Nobody's looking. Uh, uh, you won't become addicted like others if you try this. Another one he says is, see that over there? It may be a thing. It may be a person. He'll say to you, you deserve this. Usually it's someone or something that you don't need. Or he'll say to you, you're special. You're the exception to the rules. You don't have to follow the rules. Everybody else needs to follow the rules, but you don't. He'll also say, hear this, slow down and listen to me, that atheism and alternative lifestyles are acceptable choices. And that's a lie. Let me tell you how twisted that lie becomes. There is a known atheist named Angel Eduardo by the way, that's a Cuban name, Eduardo, who argues from atheism. Now, now get, catch on to just how twisted Satan's lies can be. This guy claims to be an atheist. By the way, when people are surveyed and said, what's your religious preference? The word none, N-O-N-E, and atheist is the most growing category right now. And this atheist argues he says that if we continue to keep our beliefs to ourselves, it is actually harmful and immoral. And that just blows me away. That a lie can be so twisted that it almost sounds Christian. It almost sounds Christian. 
Satan is the great deceiver. That's what we face when we face temptation, and we need courage. And Jesus received courage to deal with the devil head on, to deal with his lies head on. And you and I do too, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit. There are three things we can expect. One, we can expect as believers and followers of Jesus to enter spiritual warfare with the devil every single day. It says in this passage here after the temptations that the devil left Jesus for another time. There are seasons in your life like that where you feel like, okay, you're on top of things now, you're close to the Lord, and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a ditch. How did I get there? How did that happen? Well, you and I need to be aware that there's not a time when you don't experience temptation. There's not a time when you don't experience spiritual warfare. And that's why the Bible says in Ephesians 6 to put on the full armor of God. Not just a little bit, but all of it. He names the helmet, he names the breastplate, and shoes, etc., etc. And all these are defensive weapons, and then he names the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. The only offensive weapon in spiritual warfare, let me say it again, the only offensive weapon in the spiritual warfare is Christ in you. You don't have, I don't have what it takes to deal with the devil. You can't play with fire. You will be burned. You don't have the strength in your human flesh to deal with the super, power, super forces that are around you all the time. The only one who does is Jesus Christ in us who fights our battles for us. Secondly, we have a fellow struggler when we struggle with spiritual warfare. His name is Jesus. The Bible says of Jesus... Um, that in all things he was tempted like we are. He is a fellow struggler as we struggle with temptation and the trials of life. Whatever tempts you, Jesus has experienced it. Whatever tempts you, Jesus has experienced it. It's amazing, though, that we have options as we face temptation, like Jesus faced temptation. This is where the courage of Christ in us, who faced the devil for us in the wilderness, needs to be strong in our life. And the way to make him strong is do like Jesus did. Be ready to quote the Scripture. The Bible is true. God is true, the Scripture says, and let the rest of us be liars. God is true. Quote Scriptures. You know what the devil does when you, quote, when you quote the Bible? He can't stand it because it brings light. It brings truth. He is darkness. He is deception. And Scripture expels him. Number two, honor the Father, not yourself. Yield to the Father. Jesus did that as he struggled with Satan. And some days just tell Satan to go where he came from. Refused to believe his lies. Jesus always recognized the truth. And the Holy Spirit in you will recognize truth. And that's why the Bible says, test the spirits to see if they are of God. So read the scripture. Honor the Father as Jesus did. 
and tell the devil, not today. That's a great thing. I had a pastor friend of mine. I said, how do you deal with temptation? He said, some days I just tell the devil, not today, Satan. Not today. Go back where you came from. So point number one is that in the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, or in the power of the Holy Spirit, we have courage, Christ's courage in us as we face temptation. Number two, we have conviction when facing opposition. Jesus goes to Nazareth. He goes to his hometown. He goes to the synagogue. He announces who he really is. And he goes from popular to, uh, to uh, get out of town. Get out of town. But Jesus lived with a conviction about who he was. He was the servant Messiah, the Messiah servant. And he was the son of the living God. And he would not give that or yield that to anybody else. But yet they opposed Jesus. Who were the people that would oppose Jesus? Who would oppose Jesus? Well, some were the ones who were offended by his deity. And, and if you want to part the waters in a conversation, just say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Bring up the name Jesus. Even the evangelist Billy Graham had a hard time saying Jesus in his crusades. He would say, Christ, Christ, Christ. Say Jesus. And you'll see where people stand all of a sudden. You will invite opposition. You will grow in strength of character because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. The people that protested Jesus and opposed him were the ones who enjoyed the status quo of state and religion just like that. In Jesus' day, the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees were the religious leaders and they were in bed with the Roman government. They were in bed with the Roman government. Pax Romania was the, was the, uh, uh, the theme of the day, the peace of Rome. And they were doing everything they could to, be, to please Rome. And Jesus comes along and he speaks truth to power. And when you speak truth to power, you're going to end up like John the Baptist who spoke truth to power. What happened to John the Baptist? Power threw him in prison. What did they do to him in prison? They beheaded him. So these are the people that were opposed to Jesus. Now in Meade County, how many people are following Jesus? And how many people are not following Jesus? I ask that question of those in our convention who do statistics. Surveys show that 89% of the people in our county do not follow Jesus, are not attending worship anywhere, and need the Lord and need the gospel. We have a project coming up near Easter, and our goal is to put the gospel on the front porch of every person in Meade County as best we can, and I want you to think about that. Think about how many churches are in Meade County. There's church on every corner, it seems like. The parking lots are empty, not just because of COVID. I'm talking about pre-COVID statistics. Parking lots are empty. People not in the house of the Lord. 
Jesus faced a crowd, a hometown people who did not accept his position with the Heavenly Father. And you and I as believers and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ are in a minority. But the church has always been a minority. The church will always be a minority. But as we face the reality of a lost and dark world, people who are hiding in their cave of unknowing, it's our job to be bold and courageous and face whatever opposition may come our way because we believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not a political stand. That's a Bible stand. We're called to name the name of Jesus and to live in the strength and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ and whatever opposition comes our way, we are to stand with the Lord. And we do it not on our own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. Also in the power of the Holy Spirit, number three, we have comfort when facing chaos. Jesus went from the applause of the crowd to the get out of town message from, from the crowd. And there just seemed to be a peace about him that he could turn and face that crowd that was trying to kill him and just walk right through them and keep going. The days that followed that incident were tumultuous days for the Lord Jesus. He was in the boat on the raging sea of Galilee and the storm came and the disciples were saying to him, Lord, why, why aren't you awake? Why are you asleep in the bottom of the boat? And Jesus got up and he spoke to the storm and he said to it, Peace, be still. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, we live a stormy life, a tumultuous life. COVID has changed everything in our world. And there are more obstacles are going to come that we've got to deal with. But a lot of chaos that we live with is self-made. We fuss, we we're anxious, we're intolerant of one another, we can't deal with each other. We are pessimistic, we're in a hurry, we're worried about everything. These are all signs of self-made chaos. And here the Bible talk about bringing the calm of the Holy Spirit into our life in times of chaos. It comes from Ephesians chapter 5. Paul writes, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Let me break that down. When he says, do not be drunk with wine, he means reject anything or repent of anything or any relationship that is leading me away from Jesus. To be filled with the Holy Spirit means to be controlled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, don't be controlled by things that create 
dissipation, chaos in your life. That's the word he uses in the Bible, dissipation. When he says be filled with the Spirit, he means to be controlled by the Spirit. When he says speak to one another, he's saying take initiative to have a healthy, wholesome, God-honoring conversation with other believers. When he talks about making melody with your heart to the Lord, he's talking about praising the Lord. And when he's talking about giving thanks for all things, he's talking about having a heart of gratitude all the time. So how do you deal with temptation? How do you deal with the devil? If I could summarize all that I'm trying to say here today is, number one, start every day in the Word. Start with truth. Because when you deal with the devil, you're dealing with your adversary who's trying to kill you, destroy you, take away everything that you treasure that's important to you. But when you stay in the Word, remember to keep the Word here so that it's the authority over your life. Keep the Word right here within reach. Keep it near. And thirdly, keep it right in here, near to your heart. Keep it dear. Here, near, and dear. Think of the Bible that way. It is the truth from God for our life. And start every day with a Bible scripture. There are apps that you can get that will bring up the Word of God to you every day. Find those apps. There are Bible studies, there are scripture reading guides all over the place that get you into the Word of God first thing every day. First thing you need to hear when you put your foot on the side of the bed is not the devil saying, sleep a little longer. You don't need to listen to that voice. You need to hear voice of the Lord saying, I love you. I'm with you in the power of the Holy Spirit. Together, we're going to get through whatever you're going through. It's not going to destroy you. Yeah, you're going to have some pain today, but I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Woo, on and on and on he goes. You'll be ready to take on the day. So start every day in the Word of God. Stay out of other people's business and get into God's business. Amen? Now, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you, your Facebook Post is the first thing you read. <clears throat> Change that. Let Scripture be the first thing you read. Number two. I'll quit meddling and move on. Number two. Stay humble and be quick to repent. Being right is not a worthwhile goal in life. But writing relationships is a worthwhile endeavor. So stay humble and be quick to repent. And number three, and this is just, just kind of what I needed today, stand up when you fall. You don't stand alone. You stand with the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that picks you up. Remember the Bible in the book of uh, Romans Wherever sin increased, wherever sin increased, wherever sin increased, the Bible says, grace abounded even more. So when you fail, you're not a failure. Nail that down. I fail every day at something. 
but I'm not a failure. I'm a winner because Jesus, who is the resurrection and the life, lives in me in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when I fall, I have the strength of the Holy Spirit. I have the freedom of the forgiveness of sins. My past is cleared. Tomorrow is a new day to come. Today is my best opportunity to live in the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have to live by how I've made mistakes and failed in the past. I get to live in a, with an open book, an open page. And the Lord and me through the Holy Spirit, we get to write down what this day is going to be in our spiritual journal. Amen? Wasn't many amens. Y'all thinking about something way back there, I guess. When you fall, stand up. Stand firm, Paul said in the book of Ephesians. When you're fighting spiritual warfare, stand firm. And the only offensive weapon we've got is the sword of the Spirit, the Spirit of God in us. So let Jesus rule as you get up and take a stand. Quit worrying about me embarrassed about the past. God's forgotten that. Why are, why are we trying to remember it? See, the devil wants to shame you and blame you and kill you. It's time to quit listening to those tapes. It's time to hear how God thinks about you. It's time to embrace the grace of God that where sin increased in my life, grace was greater than all my sin. Thanks be to God. Amen? Let's stand together, will you? <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit, Jesus, in us. God empowering us, giving us truth, giving us freedom and grace and mercy, giving us a future with you. Give us courage, Lord, when we face opposition to the Word of God and the principles of Scripture. Give us courage, Lord, to say no to the devil. Say not today. Not today, Saint. Jesus is my Lord. And may we walk under the mercy of God and the grace of Jesus Christ, enjoying this ever-unfolding and growing relationship with you. I pray, Lord, that at this time there would be a person here or listening on the airwaves that would give their life to Jesus. I pray that they would pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I admit that I've sinned and I am a sinner. And I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I confess you now as my Savior and my Lord. I'm not ashamed of you. I want to be a follower of Jesus and be baptized. I pray that someone in this congregation will do that today. I pray that someone listening will do the same. In Jesus' name we pray this prayer. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. 
Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Akron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.